Live. Hello, and everybody, welcome to this very special call. Uh, I'm going to be talking specifically about applying the Morning Magic program to writers, writers specifically. It can be applied to any goal or any occupation. But though you know, there are a limited number of things that I know intimately inside out, upside down. So I thought that I would give an example of how to apply this incredible program, this incredible concept, to um, building a writing career. So, uh, you know, thank you, thanks everybody who's listening live on the call, and um, welcome everyone who will be downloading and listening later. You guys are welcome too. So, once again, it's the Morning Magic Program for Writers. Now, MAGIC, as you recall, is an acronym, M-A-G-I-C. It's that MAGIC equals action times gratitude times intention times conviction. And we're going to be going into that deeply. So once again, this is Stephen Barnes. Uh, I'm a, a novelist, television writer, martial artist, husband, father. Um, and I've created a program that's designed specifically to help people implant new behaviors, beliefs, and optimal strategies into their daily life, starting at no more than five minutes a day. It's no more than five minutes a day. So we're going to be talking about what that is. So like I said, magic equals action times gratitude times intention times conviction. And the reason why that's a multiplicative as opposed to an additive equation is that if you have a zero in any one of those categories, all of your intent is for nothing. That in, in other words, if you don't take action, um, you'll get nothing. If you don't feel gratitude for the life that you've already lived, your chances of creating a life of satisfaction to follow is very, very low or non-existent. If you don't have a clear-cut intent, your chances of being able to create um, a goal that is in alignment with your values, something that you really love, is very low. And if you don't have the conviction that you can and should attempt this, that doing this will bring more pleasure than pain into your life, um, once again, you will stop yourself. You can't change to a position that's going to cause you more pain. Your body, your mind, your ego, your emotions will stop you. So you have to have all of these things. The morning ritual is designed specifically to do this. What we're going to do is we're going to go over it very, very quickly, and we're going to assume that you're going to spend between um, four minutes and 20 minutes doing this every day. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk about 20 minutes, but understand you could translate this. It's like A, B, C, D, or step one, step two, step three, step four, and each of these takes the same amount of time, roughly. And so you just divide that. The way um, that works is you start by feeling um, gratitude you know, in general for the life that you have. You then go from there to um, Gratitude for, well, you know, you start with conviction. You start with conviction, that's right. You start with the belief that you believe that you can do these things. And we'll go into specifically how to do this. And then you go from there to gratitude for what you already have, from there to gratitude for what you're about to do today. In other words, you thank the universe in advance for what it is you're about to do today. And the last step is your conviction that you can and should do these things. We'll go into this a lot. But uh, backing up for just a moment, this is, a, this is not just about excellence. It's not just about avoiding pain in your life. It's about 
gaining pleasure. In other words, in some ways, you spend the first chunk of your life learning how to avoid pain, how to pay your bills, how to avoid the pain of rejection by creating a relationship that is healthy, how to take care of your body, things like that. Um, but then after you have those basics together, it's reasonable to, now let's pursue joy. Let's go after the things that matter to us. Let's wake up in the morning and feel like today could be a wonderful day, a day of growth and contribution. Um, I think that when you do that, when you live your life from a position of, you know, you've got your avoiding pain and unconscious competence, and now everything I do today is going to be about making myself happy, making other people happy, contributing to my community, growing, changing, loving, then life becomes an exercise in expressing your passion. I think that that's, um, that's a superior position, but you do have to get your basics out of the way first. If you don't have your basics out of the way, if you don't know how to avoid those pains, then you need to take care of that. Um, because if every animal will move away from pain and toward pleasure. If you still got pain in your life, then it's not a matter of your lack of capacity. Um, you deserve it, or it's certainly not a matter of your lack of deserving to be happy. You deserve it. All that may be lacking is some strategies. Um, and this is not to minimize or denigrate the people who have serious health issues, you know, fibromyalgia, um, and or serious relationship issues, or serious problems with money or, or other things. These things are real, but I just want to be the voice that says it's possible for you to move away from these things and towards joy. I, I hold that position in mind. So mastery is what we're talking about, not survival, um, not getting by not surviving, you know, and tolerating your pain and learning how to endure, although there are people and disciplines and philosophies that look at it that way. I'm not one of those people. I believe that it is possible for us to have joy and that part of that is by being on the path of what's referred to as mastery. And so let's define mastery first. Let's, let's take a look at what that is. Um, and I've told this story often, but... Uh, I came with, up with a definition of mastery by taking a look at two different human beings. One uh, wrote a book called Mastery. It was written by the, uh, the editor, uh, the men's fitness editor for uh, Esquire magazine. And in that book, he says that um, the reason most people never achieve true excellence is that they can't handle the fallow periods. They can't handle the periods where it feels like nothing is happening, nothing is growing in their lives. Um, and so it, they expect it to be a straight line, straight up. And instead of that, it's more like stair-stepping. Um, most of what's happening is going on underneath the surface. Okay. Now, I combined that with what my karate instructor, um, Steve Muhammad, who is um, a fabulous instructor who's above the level of Grandmaster. He's created Grandmasters. Um, and his comment was that once you have absorbed the basics of your craft and you have committed to that craft for a lifetime, that, well, you know, once you have committed to the basics of the craft, you have, in, you have incorporated them at the level of unconscious competence such that you can create spontaneously under pressure, that that's mastery. So I combined these two things, the thing that the Esquire Men's Fitness Editor said in his book, and the thing that Steve Muhammad said, and come to the conclusion that mastery is a 
a verb, not a noun. It's a vector, not a position. And the, um, the moment you have the basics of your craft integrated at that level of um, unconscious competence, and you have committed to the path for a lifetime, you are as much a master as anyone else on that path. You are on the path of mastery. There are people who will be horizons beyond you, but that's okay. You're still on that path. Um, and it's important to understand that because it puts the concept of mastery within the reach of everyone who is willing to commit, everyone who is willing to say, yes, I care about this, and to place themselves in a position of um, learning, constantly learning, sometimes constantly teaching as well. Uh, one of the greatest masters of anything I've ever known in my life is a constant student and a constant teacher. He just stands at the conjunction of those things. So let's take that and look at the question of writing. And the question of writing, if you want to be good at something, the idea is you find people who are already masters of it. And you find out what their actions are, what their emotions are, and um, what they do every day. And you do that. You take a look at the gap between what you do in these arenas and what they do in these arenas, and you begin to incorporate their behaviors and attitudes and emotions into your life. So I chose four people. One of them is Ray Bradbury. Um, who I knew, not well, but we knew each other. And we interacted multiple times over the course of, of my life, to my very great benefit. Uh, one of them is Robert Heinlein, who I had the opportunity to work with and to know. Uh, I would not consider us friends. I think that he would have wanted me to say we were friends, not close friends, perhaps. But he was a very generous man, so I... I had nothing but admiration for him, and he had wonderful things to say about the process of writing, as well as other things in life. One of them was Octavia Butler, the wonderful, the great Octavia Butler. Um, and Octavia and I really did know each other. Um, we would get together for dinner, or we would get together for play. Uh, I would take her to her signings because she did not drive. We would visit at each other's houses. So I knew her pretty well. And one was a man who I lived a long time ago, and I never had a chance to meet, Musashi Miyamoto, uh, arguably the greatest swordsman in Japanese history, but also an artist and a sculptor, and the author of the book, The Book of Five Rings. Um, and when I look at those things, I see the question, who is the author for Master? You know, my, my brain is fritzing on me right now. I don't remember the name of the author. Uh, Leonard, I think, was his first. George Leonard, that's what it was. George Leonard wrote the book Mastery. Uh, he was the uh, um, men's fitness editor for Esquire magazine. He was also an Aikido uh, master up in, uh, up in the Bay Area. And uh, I will tell some stories about him another time. So it is from looking at these four people, Ray Bradbury, Robert Heinlein, Octavia Butler, and Musashi Miyamoto, that um, I extracted a series of rules for writing. 
that can fit into this question of the morning ritual, what you do in a short period of time every day that can lead you to long-term success. Now, one of the things that happens in life is that people will hallucinate that they don't have time to do the things that are most important to them. They will say they're too busy. Now, 20-something years ago, I was teaching a class. It was a writer's toolbox class at UCLA. And I noticed that people would claim that they didn't have the time to write. You know, I would give them all these, all these, all this advice, all these different techniques and tactics and strategies, and they would say they didn't have the time to implement them. Well, I got a little annoyed at this, and one day, instead of talking about writing, I spent the first chunk of the class talking about what had been on television the previous week, and everybody in the class had been watching television, and we talked about this show and that show and this and that, and then I stopped them and I said. Everyone in this class watched at least two hours of television last week. That's all the time you needed to write a book a year. That's all the time you needed. And they got really quiet because they realized that if they were to try to say they didn't have a couple hours a week to do something that they said was important to them, they were either lying about it being important to them or they were lying about their lack of time. And it is critical to not lie to yourself. Musashi Miyamoto's first principle in the Book of Five Rings is do not think dishonestly. Do not think dishonestly. Now notice, this isn't saying that you don't lie to other people. It's saying that you don't lie to yourself. That when you lie to yourself, you develop a map of reality that is not consistent. It does not, is not consistent with, with what is true. And when you attach your ego to an, uh, a map of reality that is not true, when reality slaps you upside the head, you'll get mad at reality. You won't question your map. You'll question reality. And it's really sad and sick. So, you know, my attitude was, and I uh, just about told them this, if you're not willing to, don't, to commit an hour a week, two hours a week to writing, get out of my class. I really felt like saying that because as mean as that sounded, if they had the time to take the class, they had the time to do the writing. What's even worse is when people on social media, Facebook or something like that, will argue about not having any time. You know, they have time to be on social media, but they don't have time to do the writing? See, this is nonsense. What's happening here is you've got fear. That fear stops people from doing the basic simple things they need in order to be excellent. It just does. So one of the things that I did, uh, people you know, say, okay, you start the process of changing yourself, of evolving, of uh, healing yourself by committing to love yourself, by connecting with your own heart. Meditating is a great way of doing this. And people complain that they don't have an hour a day to meditate. Well, that's fine. They will also say sometimes they don't have 15 minutes or they don't have 20 minutes. You know, something that is marginally possible. You know, it's possible, even though it is very true that the, more, the less time you have, the more critical it is to take the time to do this because um, it's a little bit like chopping with a dull axe. If you don't take the time to sharpen your axe, then your family is going to freeze in the womb. That if you are so busy chopping that you forget to sharpen, your efficiency and effectiveness diminishes rapidly. 
Um, so you have to take that time, and meditating is one of the ways of doing it. But people could say, listen, I was really busy, I was this, I was that, and there's just enough truth there for me to ask the question, what is the minimum configuration? What is the minimum effective dose of the basic things we need to do in life in order to move forward? And that was where I came up with the concept of the five-minute miracle, that if stress, if life stress diminishes our mental efficiency and effectiveness, and therefore we don't have time, the very time that we need in order to sharpen the ax, that you can do a lot of ax sharpening in five minutes a day if you spread it out that if you do it one minute at a time, once every three hours, and you just do very deep, slow, diaphragmatic belly breaths, better still, if you are envisioning the goal that you have, the end point of the goal that you have, for you know, five times a day, 60 seconds at a time, deep, slow belly breathing, just set your watch, set a countdown timer on, on your watch for three hours, and every three hours you stop and do this. That What I am not willing to believe is that anyone does not have five minutes a day. Not to do the things that are important. You just don't. What's stopping you then is your ego. It's, what's stopping you is your ego. Your ego does not want you to change. It is lying to you and stopping you from doing the very things that would give you the benefits that you want. You could be afraid of success. You could be afraid of failure. But success is just as terrifying as failure in many ways because fear of success is acknowledgement that if you have a meaningful goal and you accomplish that goal, you change, you shift, you become a different person, and that is frightening. So starting a new job, getting married, you know, it doesn't matter. It can be a wonderful opportunity, and you're still going to feel that performance anxiety, fear of failure, fear of success. It's always there. So if you go with the minimum, first of all, um, does this make sense to you guys, you guys who are, are, are typing in? Does this, this you, you, you get this, that anything that is going to change you will trigger discomfort, trigger fear. Okay. So what we have to do is to turn over the flat rock, to be able to look at the thing itself, to be able to know that what is stopping us is us. It's not the outside world. And that's where that minimum configuration comes from, the minimum thing that you can do. We've talked about what that is financially, what that is in terms of your fitness, what that is in terms of meditation. But if you're writing is the career that you have in mind. What is the minimum configuration, the minimum dose, such that if it needs to take less than five minutes a day, if it takes less than five minutes a day and you don't do it, then either you don't want the result or you are lying about the fact that the fear is stopping you. If you know that it's a fear stopping you, then what you can do is you can literally go out and you can find the resources necessary to keep moving forward. But you have told yourself the truth. It's not the outside world. It's something within you, okay? So let me ask a question here. And the question is, what is writer's block? Because if you're not successfully navigating the territory of being a writer, 
we can, consi we can consider that you have writer's block. So we're going to define that in the sense of, of determining that minimum dose as anything that interferes in the flow of creation. And that's whether that's specific research, creating your first draft, polishing, submitting it, or generalized reading to support your writing. Anything that stops the flow of you creating and constantly improving your creation. We're going to consider that writer's block. So we can test in just five minutes a day when we can create our, we can keep ourselves on the road to being writers in five minutes a day. And if you don't do that five minutes, you can then conclude successfully that what's going on is emotionally you're scrambled. You do not have permission to succeed. Once you have learned this in any arena, by the way, you'll be able to use this in any other arena. So what is that minimum configuration? And this is exactly why I created what I call the sentence a day to a book a year program. A sentence a day to a book a year. Now, let's take a look at what that is. Uh, the pieces of it came from Musashi Miyamoto, from Ray Bradbury, Robert Heinlein, Octavia Butler, and my own experience. The first step to writing a book a year and a sentence a day is you have to write a sentence. You commit to writing at least one sentence every day. Okay? Now, this is sneaky because it's a little bit like saying uh, you want to start running marathons and you've never run, you know, five miles. And so the first step is to commit to running one lap. Now, in order to write one lap, what do you have to do? You have to get out of bed, you have to get dressed, wash your face, brush your teeth, put on your gym track, your track outfit, put on your track shoes, walk down to the track, stretch, walk around, the, walk one lap, and then run one lap. Now, by the time you've done all that, if you've run one lap, you've done about 95% of what you need to do to run two laps, three laps, four laps. You're already there. The problem is not that you can't run five miles. The problem is that you're not starting the process that will take you to being able to run five miles. So the problem with writing a book is a matter of you can write a book in three months, or at least the first draft, by writing a 1,000 words a day. Um, but we stop ourselves. There's fear that what we're writing is crap. There's all sorts of stuff. We don't know what we're doing, this, that, the other. I can't write that much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But nobody who is committed to being a writer can honestly say that they cannot write one sentence a day. And if you write that one sentence a day, you are keeping the space of possibility as a writer open in your mind. You're making contact with that. And I don't care. You can write it on a three-by-five card. You can type it. You can send yourself an email. I don't care what it is. It should be one sentence a day, fiction, if you're writing fiction, nonfiction, writing nonfiction, pertinent to the specific project that you're working on, okay? Um, so it's not random, although even a random sentence is better than none. So that's the first step, sentence a day. The second step is that you write one to four stories per month. If you are committed to writing a sentence a day and you do that sentence a day, then there is no guilt. If you, if you need to quit for the rest of the day, that's fine. 
But what you're going to find out is that by the time you sit down at your computer, turn your computer on, go to your word processor, crack your knuckles, put on the right music, write that one sentence, that you will have created a space in which you can write more because there is no guilt attached to it. You've already done everything you needed to do. And part of what stops you is that sense of guilt, of fear, of, you know, you freeze in place. So once you commit to writing one sentence a day, you'll find that you're actually writing much more. On average, people are writing, you know, 700 to, you know, 1,300 words. Um, that's what they find happens once they actually start this system. You, if you are a professional writer or you're very published, then you, know, you can write at any length you want. But if you are either trying to improve your skill or you are unpublished, then I strongly, and I mean strongly advise that you write short stories rather than novels. The biggest mistake new writers make is that they immediately try to write a novel. What's even worse is when they start setting out a trilogy. I mean, that's like awful. You know, once again, using the, the, the running analogy, it's like trying to run a marathon and you never run around the block. A short story teaches you everything you need to know to write a novel. Everything. You know, it's just a matter of scale, how many times you repeat certain patterns, how long you're working on it. But you could write a short story in a day, whereas a novel can take you years. And because of the shortness of duration, you don't have as much of your life, your energy, your time, your ego invested in a short story. If it's a piece of junk, who cares? It was just fun. You're just having a good time. So that sense of the biggest mistake people make that blocks them is they try to make their first drafts sound like somebody else's final drafts, or the final, let alone the final draft of a master. I mean, it's like, you know, you're writing your first draft and the voice in your head is just saying, this is crap, this is crap, this is crap. Here's the secret, buddy. That voice never shuts up. Never shuts up. Never goes away completely. You just learn how to ignore it. It, will, it might become one in a chorus of voices saying, you know, this is crap, this is crap. And there's another voice that's saying, hey, but you're doing it. You're doing it. You know, and there's another voice that's saying, hey, I'm digging through this pile of manure because there's a pony in there somewhere. You've got to do the work. If you do the work every day, day after day after day after day, you will get better. And what we're laying out here is a minimum configuration for that work. And once again, you should be able to take the ideas here and adapt them to everything. So the first step is you write a sentence a day. The second is you write one to four short stories a month. Ray Bradbury's advice was you write a story a week or a story every other week. We've gone to one, between one and four short stories a month. The next step is that you polish and submit those stories. So you are submitting. You're not, you're not just finishing, but you are submitting between one and four short stories a month. Now, if you're working on a novel at the same time, fine, work on a novel, but also write, polish, and submit one to four short stories a month. Short story can be you know, two pages long. It's not that much. But you, once again, you will learn everything you need to know about writing as well as learn about your own emotions. If you're not doing it, if you're not writing your sentence, you are blocked. You know, it has nothing to do with anybody but yourself. And if you're doing that, then you'll find yourself writing a lot more than one sentence. You do that, and you start being able to shape that into stories. You polish and submit those stories one or a month, all right? The next step is Robert Heinlein's advice. 
you don't rewrite except to editorial request. Once you have submitted those stories, you move on to the next story. You do not go back to the previous story and worry it forever. You know, the, the fact is that your perception, your editorial capacities will always outpace your ability to write because everybody reads more than they write. So that's another one of the sort of dirty secrets that the little kid inside you who is the writer is, is delicate and young. You know, whereas the editor part of you can be brutal, a brutal adult, just hammering that kid. It's, it can be just dreadful. So once you sit that story off, forget about it. Move on to the next one. Spend more time engaging with that kid part of you. Have fun. The quality will come, okay? So write a sentence a day. Write one to four stories a month. Polish and submit what you're writing. Don't rewrite except to editorial request. The fifth step is you read 10 times as much as you write. This I got from Octavia Butler. You never stop reading. You never stop reading. Okay? Um, and so many writers make the mistake of saying, you know, I don't have time to read. Or I'm afraid that if I read, I'm going to imitate the, the voice of another writer. Without getting the fact, you want to imitate the voice of other writers. When you started, everything you have ever learned to do in your entire life, whether it's ride a bicycle, walk, talk, dance, doesn't matter. You did by imitating other people. That's how we learn. When you forget that, when you try to make it up out of whole cloth, you're just beating your head against a wall. Now, if you read enough people, if you imitate enough different people, your voice will start coming out because voice and writing is nothing more, nothing more than you're writing the way you talk. You're writing the way you talk. So you just keep working to make your voice and your writing closer and closer together. So a sentence, uh, you know, there's six parts here. One, you write a sentence a day. Two, you write one to four short stories a month. Three, you polish and submit those stories. Four, you don't rewrite except to editorial request. Five, you read ten times as much as you write. That, roughly speaking, you read a short story every day. Roughly. Read a short story every day. That is fantastic. You're, you're getting quality in so many different ways if you do that, as well as learning pattern, as well as modeling structure. Yeah, that's a perfect thing. You get yourself some collections of short stories. Read one of them every day. You know, keep them in the bathroom. You know, I don't care. Make, make it flash fiction. I don't care. You know, one-page stories, two-page stories. You know, tear out the pages and use them as toilet tissue after you're finished. I don't care. But do your reading. This is critical. And the last step, step six, is you repeat this pattern 100 times. Now, this is pure me. When I was about... When I was in my 20s, uh, maybe until I was 25, uh, I was writing, and I had published a couple stories. I've been paid in contributors' copies. I might have even sold a couple stories and been paid like a fifth of a cent a word or something like that. And I felt like, you know, I was never going to get anywhere. But having read biographies of many, many writers, I realized that the feeling that things would never change that I'd never get anywhere, was consistent, that all writers experienced this at times. 
So whereas it was possible that I wouldn't get anywhere, it was also certain that if I was going to get anywhere, I had to ignore the voice saying I wasn't going to get anywhere. But it would also be disastrous to ignore it indefinitely. So how long was how long was I going to keep this up? How long was I going to continue trying before I realized that I didn't have what it took and try something else? And I plucked a number out of the air. And that number was 100 stories. I was going to keep track. I was going to write. I was going to submit 100 short stories before I even began to question whether or not I could make it. The, the voices, the demons in my head, I would not let them win. I just wouldn't. That um, until, until I had 100 stories, I wasn't really in the game. I had to give myself the time. And what happened when I did that is that I made it to about 24 before I started selling, and I never looked back. And to this day, out of everyone who has ever tried this process, no one has gotten past story 27 before they started selling. But you understand, they had to give themselves room to fail. Critical, critical. So, since today, one to four stories a month. You polish and submit. You don't rewrite except to editorial request. You read 10 times what you write, and you repeat the process 100 times. So how does this relate to morning magic? Remember, magic equals action times gratitude times intention times conviction. Oh, and by the way, what if you're frozen? What if you tell yourself that you can't... Um, you can't come up with even a single sentence, then you spend five minutes writing out by hand somebody else's sentence. And you're forcing yourself to be there. You're forcing yourself to be in your writing environment. You're doing it. So now you have removed even inspiration. There is nothing there except discipline, nothing there except your emotions. And if you realize my emotions are not strong, my emotions are damaged, then you can actually go out and you can find the resources necessary to develop them. What will happen is that if you actually tell yourself, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to write, regardless of whether I come up with an idea, and you start writing somebody else's stuff, if you write somebody else's stuff, first of all, you'll start getting inspirations for your own stuff. And second, you're likely to be get disgusted with yourself and say, the heck with this, and start writing your own sentence. And now you're on the path. Now you're on the path. Now you're starting to do it. Okay. So how do you relate all this to morning magic, the morning ritual? Now remember, the morning ritual is four different things. It's action, gratitude, intention, and conviction. That you need to have a physical activity that you're doing. The physical activity might be walking. That's fine. Uh, it could be yoga. I've seen that. It's a little difficult because of the breath control. Uh, the five Tibetans have worked well. That, that nice, uh, nice activity. You can look up five Tibetans on YouTube and find them. Just find them very easily. Um, I use Tai Chi in the morning. Uh, you could use a rebounder. Um, you could run. You could walk. You could walk hills. I can tell you that any movement is good movement. But the more intense the movement is, the deeper 
this process goes into your physiology. Okay, so while you are moving, make no mistake about that. While you are moving, you are chanting and focusing your mind. Your emotions are caused by mental focus, the way you move your body, and your self-language, the language that you use. So for the period of time of your morning magic ritual, you are controlling all three. You are becoming a human laser, okay, while moving. And let me tell you something. The, the biggest mistake people make is dropping out the movement. They think that they can just do affirmations or just think their way through it. No. You say it out loud while you're moving, okay? So while, so while you're walking, let's say, you start, and this is, let's, like I said, you can do this for between four minutes, four or five minutes, and 20 minutes. But we're going to act as if you're going to do this for 20 minutes because we're going to talk about each interval being approximately five minutes long. Okay, so you start, you start with five minutes of conviction. Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better is a perfectly good um, thing to say. It's worked for, for decades. I don't know who created it originally, but it works fine. But there are others. There are many others. Find one for yourself, something that is a statement of belief that you are capable of learning, capable of improving. You say this out loud over and over again for five minutes with conviction. Your body language, your face, your voice, everything is, is in alignment. You act. You fake it until you make it if you need to. Um, and I use um, that one every day and everyone getting better and better. I also use one that I got from Tony Robbins. Uh, God's wealth is circulating in my life. His wealth flows to me in avalanches of abundance. All my needs, desires, dreams, and goals are met instantly by infinite intelligence because I am one with God and God is everything. You just, you know, change that to, to be whatever it is that you need such that you believe that you can be more than you are right now. And it doesn't matter whether you believe it totally. You say it as if you believe it. You act as if. You move as if. You hold your face as if. You act that way. It's that fake it till you make it thing. Okay? Five minutes. Following that is five minutes of statements of gratitude. Gratitude for things that have happened to you in your past. Now, for me, it, you know, past and present. I'm so grateful. You know, if it's simple, if you think I don't have anything to be grateful for, Think about what you'd miss if you lost it. Would you miss your eyesight? Then be grateful for that. Would you miss your kids? Then be grateful for that, that you find something that you are grateful for. You know, I am grateful for the people who love me and trust me. I'm grateful for a strong, healthy body. I'm grateful for a strong, healthy mind. And I will, you know, I will say these things for five minutes with the greatest amount of conviction that I can muster. I just I generate it within myself, and I use it, and I express it. Five minutes. So five minutes of conviction every day and every way I'm getting better and better, or some analogous comment. Five minutes of gratitude for things in your past and present. Now, the next five minutes is where magic really starts coming in, because here is where you are grateful for things that haven't happened yet. In other words, in this particular instance, I could say I'm so grateful that I write at least one sentence every day. 
I'm so grateful that I finish one to four stories a month. Your goals, the things you intend to do long-term, short-term, and the things you're going to do today to make it happen, this is where you say that. And you say it with the same sense of certainty that you had about the things you already have in your life. That's the trick. You take the certainty for the things you already have. I'm so grateful for my eyesight. And you say, the, or you say I'm so grateful I write at least one sentence a day with the same certainty as if you have done it, as if it's already yours, as if it's already in your hands. That's the SMART goal setting, SMART, S-M-A-R-T, S-M-A-R-T, specific, one to, four, you know, one to four stories a month. Meaningful, I really, really want to write one, one to four stories a month. As if now, you don't say I will, you say I do. I write one to four stories a month, okay? Um, realistic, is it possible to write one to four stories a month? Thousands of people do. Could it be a you know, two-page short story? Sure. You think you could write a two-page short story in a month? Bob's your uncle. You got it done. And time-bound. There has to be a time limit on it, okay? Per month. You've already said it. Every month. Or I'll write a sentence every day. You, you, you've got time on it. Specific, meaningful. As if now. Realistic and time-bound. Those are the way your goals need to be set up for the morning ritual, okay? So, and then the last step, the last five minutes, is conviction again. It's in, I, I use all I need is within me now. All the grace I need is within me now. All the creativity I need is within me now. All the courage, all the cunning, all the intelligence, all whatever it is that, that I need in order to do it. I believe for that five minutes, I make myself believe that I can do this. I act as if, walk as if, hold my face as if, everything, as if I can do it. I am walking at the same time that I'm speaking, at the same time that I'm visualizing it. I'm turning myself into a human laser for just those 20 minutes. And what you will find is if you do this, if you use that magic formula, magic equals action, you're taking action. You're actually moving. And probably one of your goals in your life is to do more movement. So if you're actually moving, then you're doing it. And the beautiful thing about that is that the voices in your head that say, oh, this doesn't work, this is phony, you're faking, has to deal with the fact that you're actually doing it. That, that is a doorway to realizing that your, the voices in your head will lie to you. Understanding that, and it's, it's fantastic to, to begin to realize but the voices in your head are not you, and they're not telling you the truth, is one of the doorways to wisdom. It really is. It's not a doorway to insanity. <laughs> it's a doorway to wisdom. So those are the ways that you apply this, the, being a writer, this particular pattern, the story of the, the sentence a day to a, a book a year pattern, to the, mag, the, the morning magic program that you can use them together to break through your problems because you'll cycle on a daily basis. Every day you'll have an opportunity to see, did I do it? Didn't I do it? Did I do my morning ritual? Did I write my sentence? If you did your morning ritual and wrote your sentence, you're done. You, you can celebrate. You can feel wonderful about yourself. And when you do that, you are successful, and success builds on success. This is the path. So those things again, 
I send today one to four stories a month, polish and submit them, don't rewrite except to editorial request, read 10 times what you write, and repeat 100 times. And the, the structure of the Morning Magic program is while you're moving, you go from conviction every day and every way of getting better and better to gratitude. I'm so grateful for my eyesight. I'm so grateful for my kids. My kids love me, whatever that is, to gratitude for future activities. I'm so grateful I write at least one sentence every day and finish one to four stories a month. You say this out loud, out loud. And the last is all I need is within me now, the conviction that you can and should give. And that is the Morning Magic Program. Uh, now I'm going to take a couple calls and see if or not people have specific comments about this that they would like me to address. So the first is Tom Barkley. How are you doing, Tom? Oh, getting along, thank you. And you? <laughs> I'm doing great, thank you. Do you have any questions about anything that we covered today? I showed up today to take this sort of as a refresher um, mm-hmm. because it's uh, I've been letting myself get distracted and not following through on the things I've heard you talk about before. So Yes, um, and that is absolutely predictable, Tom. And yeah. So just like, oh, here it is again. You know, here's you know that demon of doubt is is there again. You know, the variation is there again. It's okay. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, if you don't stay in the community that is dedicated to these practices, you're going to have a harder time sticking with it. That is absolutely true. It really is. Until you have a, a community in your mind that tells you these things, you need the community outside yourself. And that's why I'm here. You know, that's that's why I, I post on Facebook every day, um, because none of us can make it alone. You know, and so thank you for for hanging in there, buddy. Is there anything I can do for you today before I move on to the next call? I don't think so. I, I'm okay. Just, I'll I'll pick something up that's valuable to me. I already have, but I'll, right, I'm, I'll hear something else. Okay. In South, Southern California. I think hey you're there. traveling in Tennessee. Hi there. So, I am. I'm on my yeah. I'm on my way to Memphis, hoping to make the um, the uh, National Civil Rights Museum before they close. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Um, I, yeah, just, I was in Memphis just yeah. a couple months ago. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Nice, so nice I, I I have a question. Um, Please. When you're talking about submitting, because I'm switching from screenwriting. John, John Truby says hello. By the way, I was at his seminar a month ago. Um, oh, I like you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, yes, absolutely. Um, anyways, I, uh, I'm switching to novels, and I actually really, from screenwriting, I really appreciate what you're saying about the short stories, and have no idea what it would take to submit. Do you have any resources? Oh, uh, sure. For sure. Is he, it's, it's how to do that. Okay. Remember, the, when I say read ten times what you write, I'm being very sneaky. Because you can't do that without doing market research. Where are you reading these exactly. books? You're reading them on websites. You're reading them in books. You're reading them in magazines. You know, whether it's websites, books, or magazines, you take a look at the at the name of the editor. You take a look at uh-huh. the names of the magazines. They, you know, you take a look at the masthead, and they will have submission editors on them. And you'll actually be okay. able you'll actually learn where to submit stuff by doing your writing, doing your reading. It's all included awesome. in there. So just, just everything. You go to bookstores, 
and you go to the magazine rack and you go to magazine, you know, you go science fiction magazines, general fiction, sure. you know, published in, in, you know, in, in other magazines, mystery magazines, horror magazines, genre, it might be easier to do genre than it is to do non-genre. But, but non-genre, you know, the New Yorker and other magazines, they're right. out there. Okay? Yeah. Okay, terrific. Thank you. You got it. You take care and the very best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, in Central Texas. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have a question, but I'm uh, reminded of a lot of things I should be doing. So thank you very much. You are incredibly welcome. And if you have any questions, you reach out to me on Facebook or, you know, send an email. And I, I love being able to... to uh, help writers any way that I can. Writers are my tribe. Thank you so much, Steve. You're very welcome. You take care. And in Florida, Tampa Metro. Florida, Tampa Metro. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I don't have any questions. Um, I was just tuning in, taking notes. Well, that sounds great. You're incredibly welcome. And... uh, if you have any questions, make sure to reach out to me. Let me know. I'll do all I can to answer, okay? All right. Thank you. All right. And uh, we have one more guest, guest five. Guest five dropped off at one time and uh, then came back on. So um, guest five, are you there? Hello? Hello. Guest five? Is there a guest? Hello? Hello. Yes, I heard your voice. Wondering if it's me. Yes, oh. it's you. Yes, so I'm here. Great. Who, who am I speaking to? Judy. Judy. How yes. are you doing, Judy? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. So, you have any comments, questions, or requests about anything that I said over the last 50 minutes? Um, I don't have any comments, but I really should... Um, commit myself to putting into practice some of the things that you've said today and also some of what I have read of... Um, I, de- I detect a beautiful accent in your voice. Where are you from, dear? I'm from Grenada. Grenada. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I'm so glad that you're on the call. And I hope that you decide to share, you know, your stories and perception with us. Excellent. Anything I can do for you? Well, not today, but I thank you. You're very welcome. Very welcome. We'll meet you again. And we have a guest Mm -hmm. six who just jumped onto the call. Hi. Um, Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. This is the infamous guest six. Hello, guest six. What's your name, buddy? Uh, Hugo, you've seen me around probably on your Facebook page from time to time. Okay. Um, Yes, sir. I have a a few questions and a possible future request. Um, I have uh, gotten into comic book writing and actually have been published writing uh, somewhat subversive historical comics for the Denver Comic-Con. Um, and they were small. They were two pages, two pages, five panels max. Um, 
Damn, I really started by writing one page short story, short stories that were published in the back of comic books, man. Oh, so you you're right there with me. And uh, by the way, I got to meet Christopher Priest at uh, Denver Comic Con. Oh, so. cool! How cool! I've never met him. Admire he was one, of course. He, he was wonderful. And I'm sorry I'm puking all this out. I'm uh, I'm really excited to be on this call and to talk to you because I've admired you for a long time. Oh, but, well, um, thank you so much. I'm so well, glad that you know, hopefully we're, something useful is going to come out here. If I can do something for you, let it out, man. What's up? Your your approach is incredibly. Uh, doable, more so than anything that I've read about writing. Um, my, a couple questions and, and my request. I, I've noticed you have a bunch of courses, one for six weeks, one for a year. Um, for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I'm not trying to be facetious or anything, but for, for someone that's looking to do this and, and looking to, to work with you, um, yeah. Where do you suggest that we start with your material? Okay, so here's what's going on, um, Hugo. Uh, I am starting – I've been doing a tremendous number of courses over the course of the last few years, and I'm, I'm collecting all these things together. Um, so what I would suggest you do is you, you, know, you be a Facebook friend. When this course, the thing is the, the morning ritual for writers comes out, it will be out in a, in a few weeks, and it will be very inexpensive. Get the course. Okay, then start using it. Very soon after that, I'll have the updated year-long program. You know, okay. Where it, 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 I'm go, I'm, I'm, I created something called the Life Writing Year-Long Program almost 10 years ago. But right. I've been searching for the right pedagogy, the right structure. How do I do this? How do I, how do, I do this in a way that's available to everybody? So that anyone who really wants it can get started. And if you happen to have, if you're brilliant, you have seven league boots, you can go fast. But if you're if you're a little slower, if you're more insecure, if you have more fear, or you're out on the outside, it still it still helps you. Because like I said, you know, I have a limited number of tribes of people that I care about. One of them is sure. writers. I, I, I mean, I love writers. It's like I love martial artists. I love people who are invested in raising their children. You know, so those those are, are my are central tribes for me. So over the course of the next few weeks and the next couple of months, I'm going to be setting this stuff out much more specifically uh, for and first I'm going to do it for writers, then I'm going to do it for martial artists. Um, okay. And, okay. Wow. Okay. And for writers who are martial artists, man, <laughs> have I got something for you? But you know, it's 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 so basically. You know, just you know, get everything that you can from me for free. Uh, I love giving okay. away for free. I also love taking your money. I mean, don't don't make don't make a mistake about that. But my primary obligation, you know, Ray Bradbury did not charge me anything for his knowledge. I bought his books, you know, but but what I got from him the most was being in his presence. Robert Heinlein, I read articles, you know, about him, but it was in being in his presence and talking to him that I really got what I got. Octavia, money was not involved. So the gift, the, the knowledge is free. The form it takes, I have to charge for. But I sure. love giving this stuff away. So, so never hesitate to ask questions. If you're trying to express yourself, I think you're doing important work for mankind. I think that communication and the passing of information from generation to generation is part of what makes us human. So I am, I am happy to have this conversation with you, buddy. Well, thank you, because I'm both a martial artist and a writer. Um, oh, and I'm also, 
I have which, a brother-in-law which, which who practice. Yeah, uh, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. Oh, oh wonderful! That's a damn fine combination. That's a fine combination. Good for it's, you. It's fun. Um, yeah. I I have it's a brother-in-law who's um. <laughs> what's that? It's, it's what I call good evil fun. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so I, what other I, do you have? Well, um, the other question that I had, would you please consider doing a blog post? You talked a lot about short stories, and I and I had asked this, and, and Tom was real generous with his information, so, so thank you, Tom. But um, would you consider a list of um, short story collections that you would say might be essential or useful or however you wanted to put it? Because I have a feeling your list would be different than a lot of typical lists out there. You know something? Uh, you- let me think about that. You know, Hugo, I think that, that that's a fine idea. Um, I, I love seeing things like that, and you're right. It, it would be a little different. Um, and let me, let me think about that. I will, do, I will put some very serious thought into doing that, okay? Thank you. You betcha. All right, buddy. So is, is there anything else? No, no, no. You've, you've been so generous. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, folks. So that's the program for today, um, and you got it for free. You know, I'm hoping that you'll uh, you'll want to get the complete program when that's available. But thank you for helping me create this, and thank you for being here. Um, it's great to have an audience. I love doing these talks. If there are subjects you want me to address in later talks, let me know. Uh, tell your friends that these podcasts are available at TalkShoot. Um, and other than that, man, have and ladies. Have a wonderful, wonderful day and a wonderful life. Uh, Enjoy writing. I have enjoyed my career. It is so hard at times and so frustrating at times. And there are times when it feels like nothing is working, but those are balanced by the times that are just glorious. I mean, I've had people walk up to me and say that my story saved their lives, you know, that they were going through chemotherapy, that they were, you know, my wife had a woman tell her that, that a mugger broke into her apartment and tried to rape her, and the strength that she used to fight him off, she found in one of my wife's stories. This is the power of sharing. This is what can happen when we open our hearts and minds to each other and engage honestly in the process of our lives. So I'd like to close this today, with, as I always do, with the Sanskrit expression that means that the divinity within me salutes and acknowledges the divinity within each and every one of you. Namaste. Take care. Have a wonderful day. See you next time.